0: I wanted to say something else about Rooted real fast. I'm Caleb. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, last night, or no, Friday night, I got to be a part of the Rooted celebration. Some of you were there? <clears throat> so we had about 110, 115 people that went through this last session of Rooted. And all that's just from our church. And then uh, all five Mariners churches around Orange County get together the last night for the celebration. And it's It's awesome. So, just to see changed lives across the board from five different churches, and it was a big hoopla. We baptized more people than I've ever seen baptized. It was awesome. And uh, it's such a good time. So if you have not done Rooted yet, we're serious. It's like you just kind of have to. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's, it's the on-ramp. It's how you get to know who we are. And uh, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or whether you don't even know who Jesus is, you'll find a home and you'll find community, and it'll be a great thing to do. So make sure you sign up. Sooner than later would be good. Also, yesterday... Uh, We had this serve day in Oakview. We've been talking about this Be Fearless campaign that we've been doing for several weeks. Uh, You have been so generous, and you have made such a difference in our community. Uh, A lot of people talk about changing the world, right? But you guys are actually doing it. And I was there, and I saw it. We had two different groups of people, two waves, eight and then ten, and over 150 of you came out yesterday and we served and transformed uh, little pieces of Oakview community, and it was so cool to see. Some of you painted fences. Some of you picked up trash all around the community. Uh, Some of you planted a garden. Some of you trimmed trees. Uh, Some of you helped some people who were not in their right mind, and then the police came and assisted you. Uh, (laughs) we, we, We literally, we literally had policemen giving us their cards saying, "Who are you guys? What are you doing? This is awesome. Just call us if you ever need anything. We love your church. You guys are so great. So uh, that was such a cool thing to be a part of. And we had residents of the Oakview community working shoulder-to-shoulder with us, uh, showing us the different areas of their community where we walked and picked up trash and did all kinds of things as we built relationship with them. So just such a cool thing to be a part of. We're doing it, people. We are doing it, and you're a part of it, and things are changing, and it's, it's beautiful to be a part of. So thank you for that. Next Sunday is Easter, which is a big deal, and it's going to be awesome. This Sunday is Palm Sunday, and what we celebrate is the journey toward Easter, the, the Jesus journey toward that cross, and then ultimately toward resurrection. And, uh, and today, we're going to get into an interesting message, and uh, I'm going to tell you about a donkey, but first... Um, First, I want you to know that, uh, that this message is about what it means, really, what it means to walk with God, because a lot of people know about God, or a lot of people uh, think that God just wants something from them, or a lot of people are afraid of God or think that He's just something out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to walk, walk with Him. And uh, one of my friends this week posted on their Instagram uh, this photo. It's Jesus with a little kid, and he's saying, trust me, and she goes, but I love it, God, and she's holding this little blue teddy bear, right? It's a small little teddy bear, but behind Jesus' back, he has this massive, much more awesome (laughs) teddy bear, and he's saying, but you just got to trust me. I got something better in store for you. Part of walking with God is breaking through this barrier here because sometimes he asks something of us, but it's only because he has something better in exchange, And a lot of people don't get started on their spiritual journey or their walk with God because they get stuck. They think that God is out there, just some cosmic policeman trying to limit their experience of life, and they don't see how generous he is and what he gives, that he loves to give good gifts to his children. And the message that we're going to look at today is just this truth that when you give to God, you get more back. When you trust God, it works out better for you, ultimately. And, uh, and we're, to get there, we're going we're gonna to talk about a donkey. And it's not the donkey uh, from Shrek. I have a two-year-old who's kind of into Shrek already. And it's not Eddie Murphy's character, even though that's an awesome character. There's famous donkeys in the Bible— Uh, the word donkey, the term is used over 150 times. And so they're all throughout scripture. There's a couple of really famous ones. One was Balaam's donkey, who God like opened up his mouth and he said some words. Balaam's beating on him, and he's like, what, stop, you know? And then he's like, the donkey talks, you know? It's a flying talking donkey, you know? But he, he, it's not that donkey. We're talking about even a more famous donkey, the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Toward that cross, toward resurrection, there was a particular donkey that got to escort the king of the universe on his back. And this donkey was prophesied about 500 years earlier. Imagine that, a donkey prophesied about 500 years before he lived. And this guy named Zechariah, this prophet, said in chapter 9, verse 9, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, Riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, the child of donkey, a young donkey. This is going to happen 500 years prior. It's prophesied. You know, so imagine someone's like, okay, that's an interesting detail. The king is going to come on a donkey. All right, I'm not that that. And so people are kind of thinking and passing it on to their kids. So when he comes, he's going to come on a donkey. What does that mean? I don't even know, but it's prophesied. And so it's going to happen, and it's, it's, it's coming. Interestingly, Most kings rode on horses, right? And a horse was representative of war. So if you're riding on a horse in that day, it meant that, you know, a heavy hand is coming, that you're marching into battle or that you're trying to to keep people under control. And so soldiers, if they were riding around, would be on horses. And that was a sign to say, hey, if you act up, you're going to get it. I'm holding you in check. That's why I'm on my horse right now. So when Jesus rides on a donkey, as we're going to see, the donkey symbolizes peace. It's kind of the opposite of coming in on a horse. A donkey would be peaceful. And so this king, as prophesied 500 years before, was not going to come on a horse with a sword and whatever. He's going to come on a donkey. And so here we are. This, is, this story is uh, in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. And uh, here we go. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth, Bethphagy, is how it's technically pronounced, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Let me just tell you, Bethany, by the way, is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. So if you kind of know the story, they're good friends of Jesus, and you can piece together some people. That's where they are is Bethany. So he's, he's coming up to their hometown, and it's at the foot of the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives is this hill about a mile long, and you can see all of Jerusalem from this hill. You can oversee the city and Jesus sent two of his disciples at that point and he said to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one else has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. In other words, Jesus is telling his disciples to go commandeer him a donkey. And they must be thinking, you you want me to, you want us to steal someone's donkey? What is this now now, a donkey was actually you think a donkey you know horse donkey, but donkeys were pretty valuable i mean they, was, they were a valuable asset they, they could navigate the rocky, rough terrain quite easily with their, they were strong they could carry heavy burdens so uh, wealthier people owned donkeys for that reason and if, if some people that owned donkeys weren 't wealthy but but they had saved a lot of money, and the donkey was kind of their Prize possession in some ways okay so so this is a valuable asset so when Jesus says hey go and steal someone's donkey essentially uh the disciples are a little bit concerned but she's a little bit he's a little bit concerned about it too there's there's like a restlessness about is this right is this a thing should we do this so the disciples are kind of put in an awkward position here. And then imagine with me, just for fun, the donkey. Uh, the donkey is minding his own business. He's a young donkey, never even been ridden before. And then people start to untie him that he's never seen. And then they start to tell people, "Hey, hey, you know this, this guy? Are you? Well, I, I I'm just a." donkey minding my own business you want me to go with you but my owner's over there I'm concerned so it's silly but I want you to kind of imagine that this donkey is you know alive and exists and he's been prophesied about for 500 years and and he's about to be pulled by a rope around his neck in this direction and he's never been before and and this is kind of a weird dynamic and then imagine the owner the owner is about to be told Jesus needs your donkey and he'd be like yeah, right. Okay, that's cool, right? And he says, well, well he says that he'll, he'll return it. Yeah, of course he'll return it. It's like someone asking to borrow your Ford Edge, right? Hey, we'll bring it right back. I don't know you, person. I'm not giving you my Ford Edge. I mean, it's, it's that kind of a situation, Verse four, they went and found a colt outside the street tied at a doorway. They untied it, and some people standing there were asked, what are you doing untying that colt? You're stealing my car. They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let him go. Now, I don't think it was that easy. I think the people are like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Hey, Johnny, you stand here and make sure these crazy people don't steal the donkey. I'm going to go get you know Zach, who this donkey belongs to, and he comes and talks to him, and he says, "Hey, you know this is happening," and they say, and then the owner is like, "Okay," and the people must have been like, "What? You're going to let them? You don't even know who? Are, they don't seem very responsible. You know, they're they're young and crazy, and they were just going to take them and not ask." And no, 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 just 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 let the just let the donkey go. Now, some historians believe that that perhaps, maybe a month or so before, somehow Jesus had connected with this owner and had told him, hey, there's going to be a time when uh, my disciples, those guys over there, don't tell them, but they're going to come to you and they're going to ask for your donkey and like kind of give them a hard time and stuff, but then let them go. Right? It'll be cool. And then I'll, I'll totally have them brought right back, you know, on the next shuttle and we'll, we'll get them right back to you. And, but most most people most scholars think that that's not the case that that couldn't was not very likely but that instead this person had just simply heard of Jesus and had some kind of deep core conviction that Jesus was who he said he was that maybe just maybe he was in fact the king of the Jews who turned out to be the king of the universe and when someone's the king that means they actually own everything anyway And so the natural response for said owner of the donkey would be to say, sure, I mean, I'm at the king's mercy, so whatever. If he wants my donkey to be his donkey, I'm honored. I'm thrilled. That's great. If he sends it back, bonus, you know? That's great. So that's probably more the way it went down. If he's really the king and he's asking for my donkey, it's a no-brainer. If he's the king. Verse 7, when they brought the colt to Jesus they, the disciples, threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it. Now picture the disciples for a moment. I'm making this fun and silly on purpose, but I want you to see them taking off their cloaks. It's not like they have a whole Samsonite back here with like lots of backups. This is like their outer garment that they wear all the time. And they're taking it off and they're putting it on this stinky donkey and it's gonna be sat on by this man, Jesus, who they've been with this whole time who they know the last time he's bathed because they're with them all the time. And they know that it's been a, probably a while, and yet they're taking off. They, we, they, we want you to have a more comfortable ride as you go in here. So we're taking off our only jacket, our only coat, and we're putting it over this donkey so that you can be honored on this little animal as you go toward Jerusalem, toward this moment of destiny. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Palm branches is how we typically celebrate it. Those who went ahead of them and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heavens, so at least some of these people are connecting the dots and they're on board with the owner of the donkey thinking this, this, this is our king. And what they probably had in their minds was that if this is the king of the Jews, he's going to come in, this has been prophesied, he's going to come in and he's going to change everything because we're under the Roman thumb here. We're oppressed by Roman rule and he's going to flip this thing on its head and set us free and we're going to be at the top and Rome's going to be at the bottom and this is going to be great. So Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means save us, save us, save us. Go and do the thing, Uh, you know, (laughs) fix all of this, change their minds and get them out out of here. The Jews need to rule again. You know, rise and go Jewish people and ride in on your donkey and here's my cloak and here's my branches. Save us, save us. Do this, do this, do this thing. What happened, we're just going to fast forward just for a moment, just a few days later, things don't go well in their minds and now Jesus is being arrested and he's put on trial. And those same people that were shouting "Save us, save us" are like, "Well, apparently this wasn't the guy. Uh, we're out. I'm, I'm cutting my losses and I'm going a different direction because this isn't this isn't going well for me." That the "Save us, save us" turned into "Save me, save me. I, I got to get, get me out of here. I got to protect me and mine because this Jesus, he's he, he's going to go down. He's about to be killed, and this is not what I thought it was." There's a shift and a tension that we live in that I want us to just kind of have in the back of our minds here between what God can give to us and what God wants us to give to him. There's a shift here, it's just subtly that you can begin to see from save us, save us, help us, help us, fix this, fix this, to a different mentality that's like, my donkey? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You're the king. My my cloak? My yeah, of course. Anything for you. I mean, really? You're the God of the universe? Okay. <laughs> you like breathed me into existence? Pretty much you can have whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here here you go. It's no no brainer. From save us, save us, help us, help us. That kind of what can you do for me mentality. And Jesus is maybe wanting to shift that thinking. And he asks us sometimes for some stuff, to trust him with a thing, with a relationship, with a decision, with a hard conversation, with a future that's unknown, with a reputation that's maybe on the line, with a relationship that just doesn't seem to be, it's just not coming along, maybe it's not healthy for me to be in. Or my, And sometimes he asks us for those things. Now, do you know why a lot of our friends and family and people out there aren't sitting in places like this or aren't with us here today? A lot of people either haven't yet seen that he's the king, for crying out loud, that made them, or at some point along the way, he asked them for something. And they didn't believe that what he had behind his back was better. And they were like, ah, I don't, eh, I don't know if I, mm, I'm not sure that this is, this is for me. Save us, save us, help me, help me. But this isn't going the way that I expected it to anymore. I thought you were going to do it that way and overthrow the thing and turn us and make me. And uh, I don't know. I don't think I want to give up what it is that you're asking for. I don't know if I can if I can." trust you and they think they think that this god out there is is a god who limits who limits sex who limits money who limits freedom who limits them in some way and they don't never get a glimpse of the god who what he has behind his back the gifts that he gives are so much better than whatever it is that he asks you for it might not be the same. It might not be millions of dollars. That's not, the, that's not the point. It's the gifts are better. It's a shift from wanting from to walking with. Yeah, you want to ride? You want you to want ride on, you want to go with me? Yes. Let's, let's do this thing. You want my, sure. I just want to be with you. It's a shift from save me, save me, wanting from, to walking with, in relationship with the king of the universe. And the bonus is, you get more back. Imagine the donkey, for fun. That donkey, do you think that that donkey went back the same? That donkey did not go back the same. That donkey went back a better donkey, I promise you. That donkey's coat was just gorgeous and full. and th- That donkey never got arthritis, right? I mean, that donkey, that donkey outlived all his brothers and sisters. He, had it, he just walked with his chest out like, I know my purpose in life. I gave the God of the universe a ride. He sat on this back, people. That donkey was never the same again. That owner, when he got his donkey back, do you think that he was so pumped on his sacrifice? Yes, because now this donkey, this donkey was just different than the other donkeys. He carried more, he was ready to roll, he was respectful, he didn't smell as much as the other donkeys, mysteriously. He was a different kind of donkey. And then even the disciples, as silly as it is, let's just pretend that they took their cloaks back and put them on, they're like, this thing fits better than ever. Smells like roses. I, I never would have guessed. The good thing they didn't have eBay back then because they would have hawked that sucker. <laughs> the God of the universe sat on this tunic and gotten some money from it, right? What we give, he gives back better. And now you think that I'm exaggerating and this is a silly illustration, but there's precedence. In the Old Testament... There's this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, right? And this Ark of the Covenant was symbolizing God's very presence. So God says, I'm not going to be with you in a material form. Like like Jesus was God in skin, like he walked among people. He goes, Nah, back in that day, that's not the time for this. I'm going to make my presence rest kind of in this Ark. And we're going to carry this thing around, and it's going to represent God's presence. But this Ark was dangerous, and people were scared of it. And if you touched it, you died, and there was all kinds of weird stuff around it. And so David, on this one instance, Someone had touched it and died. And David's like, no, no, get this thing away from me. I, I, how can I walk with this? I'm going to die. Get, you know, take it somewhere else. And they looked over and they're like, well, how about that guy's house? And so they're carrying it and they take it into this guy's house. And watch what happens. This is from 2 Samuel chapter 6. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. When the presence of God is with you, things are blessed. Again, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden this guy went from having this kind of a house to this kind of a house. It just means that God's presence was in there and as a result, his whole family, his whole household was blessed. I imagine them walking in and sitting down and eating their crackling oat bran and looking over and just being like, man, the ark's still here. And I don't know if there was something kind of like radiating from it, like literally, and they're feeling it, and they're just like so encouraged with life, or it was just the belief and the conviction that God is with us. But something changed, and something was so different that people are talking about it everywhere else, and it gets all the way back to King Dave, and he says, that dude's house is crazy blessed because God's there. His kids are getting better grades. Like He and his wife don't fight as much anymore. He has this like new lease on life and this new energy for doing good. People just like him more. People are just gravitating there. His crops seem to be doing better. I mean, it's just like everything good that could be happening is happening to this guy's family because God's there. You think that donkey went back the same? That donkey did not go back the same. He knew who he was. He had the God of the universe who designed him and created him, sat on his back. Life is better when you walk with the God of the universe. Matthew 16, 25 said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. The question is for you and for me, do you trust them? Because you can walk with the God of the universe. He might ask you for something, though. But behind his back, he's got a bigger blessing. Do you trust him? Will you surrender what you think is your life, that you have your claws on, that this is the direction and this is the person and I should be this by now and this by now and I want this... And I spend money the way I want to spend money and I do this the way I want to do this. and Or will you trust him? That maybe if you really walk with him, if you really listen, that he's got something back here that's so much better than what you had mapped out for yourself. When you give to God, you get back more. You think that giving your life to Jesus is risky, but it's not, it's the only sure thing. Some of you are still clinging to stuff, like your business or like your family, trying to manage it and make them behave and make them do everything the right way and represent you in the appropriate way. Maybe you're clinging to legal matters. Maybe it's to addictive behaviors. Maybe it's to relationships that are unhealthy. Maybe it's to how you spend your time and the only way that you believe something can work your way. And Jesus is like, it could get better. It could, it could get better. Do you trust me? Will you walk with me? If you believe he's the king, it's all his anyway. What are, we, what are we really doing when we grab on? Do we just want the save me, save me transactional help? Fix this, fix this. Do you know that Jesus didn't end up overthrowing the Roman government. Instead, he just broke the barrier of sin and shame for all of humanity. (laughs) Sometimes the blessing isn't exactly what you thought it would be, but it's better. It's always better. And his invitation is, you can come And you can walk with me. And I'll take you on the ride of your life. This has been the theme verse of our last series that we did called The Pursuit of Happiness. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. That's That's what's out there in this world. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. God wants the good life for you. He really does. And it comes by walking with him and trusting him when he says, come on, that thing, come on. You don't need that. You think that you want that. You think that you love that. But what I have for you is better. Come on. Take your next step with me. Trust me with this. It doesn't matter if you are here for the first time and you've never even encountered this Jesus. He will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. Or if you've been walking with him for 50 years, there's something else that he's saying, come on, trust me. There's still more on this journey. And I want you to go with me. Friend, if your God is in some kind of religious box, a God that limits you, a God that takes from you, a God that restricts you, a God that's impersonal or whatever, that's not him. That's maybe the way that you grew up in some kind of a environment that you grew up in or bad experiences that you had with people or weird lies that you believed over time, that's not God. That's not Jesus. Break the box. Next week is Easter. We're going to talk about that single act, that single thing of of resurrection, how it changed everything for all of time. But for this morning, I want to invite you just to consider a couple of things. What it means to walk with God. And I, Next week being Easter, I want you to think through what it means to maybe just open your hands. Physically, I mean, the band's going to come up in a minute. We're going, to physically, we're going to physically look at, we're going to take this posture of letting go with our hands. And saying, what do we, what is God asking for from us? What do we need to release I'm not going to keep my firm grip on whatever I think is mine, and I'm trying to claim, God, I'm going to let go. I'm going to trust you. Who knows what it is, but you, I think that you know what it is. I think that there's that thing that, uh, and it might be just really trusting him for the first time. You might be just kind of on the peripheral like the people saying, I wonder if, let's wait and see. Is he the king? Is he the king or isn't he the king? And he's saying, you know how you find out? Come with me. Come on. From this posture to opening our hands and surrendering, then I want to invite you to extend your hands as if to say, there are others that need to get a glimpse of this king. There are others that don't yet know. People that you love that don't yet know that he is this God of generosity and love and grace who loves to give good gifts to his children, that what he has on the other side of our surrender is better. And you get to just point to him and say, he's passing by right now at this pivotal juncture in human history, this Easter Sunday where we celebrate resurrection, and just maybe they can get a glimpse, perhaps for the first time, of how good this God really is. Would you extend your hands? And would you invite, would you bring someone with you, I want to invite you to write down on the back of your outline the names, the names of the people that just kind of come to mind right now that you can invite back to one of our five services next Sunday. There's something about Easter. People are more open to coming, especially people who are going through some kind of difficulty or challenge in their life or transition in their life. And it's not some kind of religious manipulation. We've all just seen he's trustworthy. How can you not want to walk with the God of the universe who breathes life into you, who sustains you even right now? When people just get that, it's the biggest no-brainer in the history of the world. And then when we trust him with just whatever little bit he's asking for, He'll give you more. And He invites you on the ride of your life. So, as the band leads us, would you consider that posture of just saying, Surrender, God, whatever I have is yours. You're the king for crying out loud. And then extending your hands as if to say, People, friends, come along with me. You got to know this God. It's unlike, I can't even describe it. He's the king of the universe.